presenting sponsor of the Benders Assemble is our friend John Naughty over at the Naughty Law Group. Now check this out. Whenever things are going awry, you may need some help. You might have a boss that's acting out of sort. You could find yourself just a little business partner is not treating you well. There's one man that you need to talk to, and that's our friend John Naughty over at the NaughtyLawGroup.com. This is the people's attorney. Look, the guy worked in entertainment. He knows what's going on. There's not a problem he hasn't seen. So anything that you need help with, we can talk about the fact that you can say, hey, you know what? I want to recoup some money. You can talk about the fact that you know, I just want to be, I want to go all the way to court. I want to be made whole. Our guy John Naughty's going to have the plan. He's going to get the verdict that you're looking for. Whether, that, whether that's court, whether that's just a settlement or something like that, you let him know. He's going to use his expertise to tell you what is going to be best, and then he's going to do exactly what you want, no matter what. Check them out. That's John Naughty over at the www.naughtylawgroup.com. Everybody, welcome to the Bingers Assemble. We are in a very, very special zip code today. Check this out. Number one, we have got some special guests with us for this special zip code. Starting off, we have got the wonderful Megan White. What is happening? Hello, hello. How's it going? I am wonderful. Just left the peach pit, and I'm excited. Victoria oh. Pop. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> Victoria Popoff, she drove by the peach pit. She was with us and everything. Mm -hmm. How are you doing today? I am doing great. We're eating some gummy bears over here, ready for this episode. Co color me jealous. I know some gummy bears here. I'm just like, we even have some? our scrunchies on. Uh -huh. You have your scrunchies on? Okay. I, I wish I had my hair is getting long, but I still don't have scrunchy uh, hair. Mm. But I have some art, special Beverly Hills artisan water. Um, we're also going to be joined by a guy who looks exactly like he came out of Beverly Hills at the time that this show came on. That's our friend, Cinema Assassin. He's having, he's a one person in LA who's having traffic trouble during COVID-19, uh, which I hope that all of you are safe, but we're going to buckle up. We're going to be cruising around Santa Monica Boulevard. We're going to be living, catching the waves and everything. As that, okay, da, na, na, na. Is he driving down Wilshire or where is he driving where there's traffic? uh he yeah he's just like late it's just yeah no no excuse <laughs> no he has no excuse but it is the beverly hills 90210 episode of the bingers assemble i have been waiting to do this episode forever from the t first time that we pitch the bingers assemble i said hey we really need to do the 90210 episode. So every other episode you guys have heard, it is legit just me mailing it in to we, so we can get to this. So I'm super excited, but at the same time, very nervous. Uh, however, um, we have got one special treat for you. Um, I'm going to start this off. So just for those for those of you who are not in the know, because I know we have like a lot of super millennials and like some Gen Z listeners and all, uh, Beverly Hills 90210 is probably the best show ever. Just Agreed. yeah, yeah, hands yeah. down, just a cultural phenomenon. Uh, debuted back October of 1990, lasted 10 seasons, over 256 episodes, ending in the year 2000. Um, I got so I'm gonna kick it right off. Uh, before we before we get into a whole bunch of things that we're gonna talk about. Uh, do y'all remember? Do y'all remember the first time you watched the show? Like, not necessarily where you were at or so, but. Uh, what made, what drew you to the show when you first seen it? Meg? Okay, so I remember when I was younger, actually, because I'm 
a little bit younger than Victoria. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No offense. But (laughs) I remember when I was younger, my mom wouldn't let me watch it because it was like a teenager show. And so I would be able to like sneak away when I could. And I remember turning it on and being so excited when it was on and thinking, wow, those boys are so cute. The intro song would get you excited, like hearing it. Instantly. Instantly. And I'm even, yeah, I'm older than Megan, but my parents wouldn't even let me watch it. And I had to go like convince my mom to let me watch it. And we would talk about it and pretend like we wouldn't tell my dad. <laughs> I, so I remember when I was younger, um, I was, I want to say I was probably in second or third grade or something like that. Um, we would go to my step grandma's house and they would have reruns right around three o'clock, four o'clock or so. And my sister, who's not that much older than me, maybe two years older than me, she goes, Hey, we need to watch this show. And I was like, I really want to watch like Batman or something like that. And she mm-hmm. goes, no, uh, watch the first episode. And I go, this is interesting. Let's keep watching it. Right. And then my mom came and picked us up and I was like, Oh no, no. Can we spend the night at her house? I thought 902 and 0 would just play the whole damn time or whatever. And it didn't. And essentially, our ritual would be make sure that we got uh, to the bus in time so we can get to grandma's house and watch 90210 because I was hooked as like a seven-year-old, I want to say. Um, th- this show, okay, so like uh, one, one, one thing that's like that's perplex- like perplexing, like how, and uh, sorry, I actually short-sold them. I think they had 293 episodes, not 256, so my bad. Um, one of the, the show did something interesting. Like right now, it's like common that you'll see that shows have what like seven episodes or 13 episodes in a season um the least amount that this had like standard and standard like throughout uh, television history shows would have about 22 episodes that they do a season um that was the minimum that they had and that's like their first season then every season after that they would have 27 to 32 to 34 different episodes in a season so the show was like always freaking on and I think that I don't know, like, like usually he's like, look at oversaturation is a bit of an issue, but it really impacted this. Did, were y'all, did y'all have any of the dolls or like go try to see them during their mall tours or anything like that? No, I never did. I mean, it was kind of like new kids on the block era though, too. So there's a lot of competition going on. Yeah, that's true. This show was interesting yeah. as well. Like good thing you mentioned about the new kids on the block, even though the show, like, even though the show was ran throughout the whole nineties, essentially, there was a lot of '80s flavor to it. Oh, like if yeah. you look at the hairs, oh, sorry, the hairs. What the hell? That's not. <laughs> but if you look at the hair, like the, the like particularly the first season and a half, you could tell. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, and I just mm-hmm. like. I mean, I couldn't get hair like that or whatever, just due to ethnicity and me having curls and stuff like that and kinkiness and all. But you know, I wanted the mullet. I wanted the sideburns, and just like the. If you think about like the show was so fashion. Forward. Yeah, yeah. See, I want to say, fa- I uh, like, I was gonna say fashion forward, but like, it's in the '90s. But they had an '80s style, but it was yeah, fashion. Retro-ish. I'm wearing yeah. the same thing now. It's you're wearing the same the thing fa- now. Yeah, all the fashions come back. You know, everybody wants to look like that again. Yeah, I yeah. It's I, I distinctively remember the show because of the different things that you have Donna just wearing fucking whatever and like being mm-hmm. experimental, which I appreciated. Um, then you had obviously the uh, you, you, you know uh, the women were obviously way better dressed because it's Beverly Hills and it's sure. it's a fashion area they get to go to Rodeo and all um, that I think that that was like a like the first five seasons that was sort of uh, the, what the show was most known for well probably not the most known for right but it's something that really stood out about the show um, what one thing to note as well um, so the show 
was a show was created by uh, Darren Starr. We actually tried to get him for this episode. Uh, I'm actually close to a friend of his, and we just couldn't get a deal done. Maybe that maybe because of COVID nineteen and all. But it would have been interesting to have him on. Um, but created by Darren Starr, uh, executive producer, and then Aaron. Or sorry, Aaron Spelling was executive producer. Show was created by Darren Starr. Um, the show, t- uh, what stood out about the show and why it was revolutionary, a few of the things, right? Not only did it t- touch on friendships and relationships, uh, it was unheard of at the time, I think, for teens to uh, teen shows to talk about sex, things like date rape, homophobia, mm-hmm. animal rights, alcoholism, yeah. drug abuse. And like, I can, we can continue mm-hmm. to go on. Um, what, what I want to get back to something both of you had said, how your parents wouldn't let y'all watch it. Uh, was it just you? And I guess we're going to tap into your memory banks here. Mm-hmm. Do you, was it just because they heard some bad things about it or they saw promos and they're just like, no, this is like scandalous or what? I think it was just the, it's a little new push, right? Like it's a topics that haven't really been addressed on TV mm-hmm. before. And they were nervous how they're going to be presented. And if the parent, you know, thought, oh, I don't really want to talk about it in this context. I'd rather have them hear the narrative from me versus a TV show. Uh, my parents are really conservative too. So, you know, they talked about sex and alcohol and drugs and kissing and all these things that really weren't talked about. So I think they just wanted a little bit more control over it. But I still watch that show. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, do you <laughs> do you remember what your parents' like main gripe on why they shouldn't check it out? Or why you shouldn't check it out, right? Very similar to Victoria's reasons. I think mine had to do with an age thing, though. I remember being, like, very young, probably, like, seven or eight trying to watch it. And I just don't think I would have really understood what was being conveyed during the episode at that age. Yeah. It uh, makes sense. Was age appropriate for somebody like that? I would say. And I think I was probably in high school, you know, 12, 13, 14. So it would have been fine, but I think that some parents just want more control and it was really like the newest you know show of pushing these boundaries and discussing them and talking about them on tv so you know it's scary for parents when something new comes around like that yeah certainly i i think like my this this makes me sound like my parents just didn't do fucking anything (laughs) where it's like hey we're just like watching 90210 like out in the open and all and um, I, th- I remember specifically my stepdad had to go, Hey, I don't want you to y'all watching that. And then that lasted for the, maybe like a five week period. And then it just slowly came back to, we were still able to watch it. And I think this show just essentially, this is probably wrong, but it taught me everything that I wanted to know about, um, how to be, how to be a high schooler. And then I started employing a lot of that in, uh, elementary school and middle school and all, uh, which is probably not a probably not a good look because i remember i would go to cl- i would go to class and i would just talk about things i saw on the sh- on the show and all the kids would just be like oh that's so fucking interesting right uh, like try to pretend yeah, like it's my life it's different <laughs> sure yeah. yeah they're like man they're like chris has a car and no um so the show a few characters um so starting out uh i'm just gonna go from like first season i'm gonna essentially go for first season opening credits by uh by introduction or so um, so okay. you have Brandon Walsh and Brenda Walsh. Uh, they're played by Jason Priestley and Shannon Doherty, respectively. Two twins from Minnesota who look nothing alike, I might add. Um, moved with their parents to Beverly Hills. Then you got Kelly Taylor, played by Jenny. Go- uh, does someone not like her and they just cl- like click yeah, the X? They, they did. It was. 
<laughs> it was like the button, and I was like, nope, none for you. <laughs> you had a, so Kelly Taylor, played by Jenny Garth. You had Steve Sanders with hair that we're definitely going to get into eventually, played by Ian Ziering, not Ian Ziering. Uh, you have Andrea Zuckerman. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing Andrea. Andrea Zuckerman, played by Gabrielle Carteris. Uh, Dylan McKay, played by the very, very, uh, the late, great Luke Perry. David Silver, played by Brian Austin Green. Uh, Scott Scanlon, played by Douglas Emerson. He's not going to get covered on the show at all. Donna Martin, played by Tori Spelling, obviously the daughter of Aaron Spelling. Um, then you had the parents, Jim and Cindy Walsh, played by Carol Potter. Uh, sorry, James Eckhouse and Carol Potter, respectively. Um, then they had some cast changes, which we'll get into a little bit later on. But of the initial cast, this is sort of what the show is known for. Did y'all have a favorite cast member? Favorite cast member? I mean, I have to say Luke Perry because I'm always going to go for the bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> on every level, I'm going to go for the bad boy. Is that right? Is Immediately. I mean, who was yours? Jason Friesen. Because uh, you like the good boy. Oh, Jason my Friesen. goodness. I was you know, there was a moment that, they had to de- that she had to decide between the two of them. Yeah, I uh, so my favorite character was my favorite character was not from the main cat or wasn't like on the first few seasons. But uh, when Kit, when Tiffany Amber Thiessen came over as oh, Val, yeah. so for, yeah, first of all, uh, you, you, know, you got me at like fucking, I don't know, maybe I was like six or seven at the time. And I'd like watch Saved by the Bell religiously. Then she comes over and it's Kelly Kapowski who smokes weed and like fucks essentially. And What's up? Everyone's dream. Yeah, exactly. She comes over and it's just like, she's just like fucking having like the time of her life. And I was like, yeah, this is automatically, right? Um, the Dylan, so you two are interesting, right? Because I, I mean, I guess we could have guessed that we would have gotten uh, someone choosing Luke and someone choosing, uh, and someone choosing Jason Priestley and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So that was like, these two are iconic, obviously. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say that their characters are best friends on the show, um, or so. But the character, like the two actors, actually became like best friends in real life. But that like drove essentially like six years of the show. Like obviously, you you had mentioned this, uh, Victoria, about Kelly choosing between uh, Kelly having to choose between uh, what do you call it, Dylan and Brandon, mm-hmm. and all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I she still neither of them. Yeah, remember that? I do. I don't understand mm-hmm. like. Her end game, like best. Uh, I'll get. Let me get, quickly get into that storyline, right? Because that'll help us talk a little bit more about the Dylan versus uh, Brandon mm-hmm. thing that like still lives today. Oh she, yeah, people still talk about that. Um. Uh, so now, number one, like uh, I know that there's a Kelly Brenda thing that we'll eventually get into, or so. We're not gonna spend too much time on mm-hmm. Kelly Brenda, mm-hmm. right? But anyways, um, I was Team Kelly, no matter what. All right, I thought her and Dylan just worked together. Um, essentially, you know, uh, Kelly's with Dylan. Um. He, they break up because all they do is fight. You know, she goes to D.C. and where Brandon is and then hangs around him. And I I want to say she's essentially cheating on Dylan, right? But they, like, don't ever have, like, a breakup scene. Just shows her in bed with Brandon while he's supposedly meeting Bill Clinton, which no, no high schooler does, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then Dylan, like, fucking, I don't know. Brenda leaves to go to Paris. Um, I don't know what Dylan, I don't know what Dylan's doing. He, he like, goes and just like loses his money because some lady who's supposed to be his stepmom or something like that, or his dad's ex-wife or something like that, who has a kid with her, loses money, gets scammed, gets scammed out of that. He's hanging around Mexico with no job, but he never has a job the whole fucking series. And he just like apparently lost like the, his whole trust fund. And then he comes back thinking that him and Kelly are together. Brandon doesn't want to tell him that he's dating Kelly. 
And then that comes down to Dylan going to rehab. Then eventually we get to, he gets out of rehab. Kelly decides that she wants to go back with him. Brandon proposes. Dylan asks her to go across uh, around the world. And then she makes a decision in a very famous episode. I want to say this mm-hmm. e- ended season five, it I guess. A, yeah, it was a season finale. I remember that clearly when she had that with both of them together. Okay. Did you, did either of you ever tell a guy, hey, I choose me? I have it in recent times, but I had to get much older than high school to get to that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you know or not that aware in high yeah. school that you're that, like, yeah, self-aware. Yeah. Megan, what about you? Do you ever told a guy, hey, I choose me? Yeah, definitely not in high school, no. but yeah. I think that comes with age and maturity and Experience. different situations. Yeah. This show, all right, I want to, I know we were talking about Dylan, but before we get into the, the Dylan Brandon thing, I wanted to touch on that right, really quickly. Um, I don't know what fucking high school, I, I mean, I know they went to West Beverly High School or whatever. I don't know what fucking high school is like theirs where. I don't think that exists. Yeah. TV. They have t- <laughs> 24 year old problem. Dylan right. is in rehab. He's already yeah. been to rehab before He's the show started. I think there's nowadays. a lot of high schoolers though that do struggle with addiction, and I think nowadays we're talking about putting somebody okay. into a rehab in high school or junior high, or you know, even if it's an electronic. But we're talking. Type of this thing was filmed almost like you know, fifteen to yeah. like twenty-ish years ago. Oh, we're talking like 30, was... 30 years ago, even. Oh, like eighty-nine. Yeah, eighty-nine. Yeah, eighty-nine, ninety. Oh, even born yet? Yeah, I forgot. Megan wasn't even born. We're talking thirty years ago. Yeah. This kind of stuff, yeah, this wasn't really talked about back then, you know? Yeah. This wasn't something that was brought up, so that's why it seems so taboo for a lot of people. It wasn't something that was well-known and talked about, and people like to keep things, like, kind of under wraps. They didn't want to bring it up. Yeah, that that makes sense. I, you know, I remember, I, I, what the fuck, I don't want to keep saying I, but anyways, I had moved to California as a, you know, you know, maybe six or seven years old or whatever. And, you know, because of this show, I had a, I was like, all right, everyone, because of what would happen on the show, I was like, everybody's going to be experienced and yada, yada. I got here and uh, granted it's San Diego versus Beverly Hills, but it was like nothing like that. Even when I got to high school, there was, you know, there still weren't any kids in rehab. Um, just like Dylan's storyline. Yeah. I never Reha- heard yeah. of that back then. I, I, I did. Okay. Where but did I you grow up, know. Megan? She's in, from LA. Okay, all right. No, you she's know, like, I yeah, she goes, look, I went to West Beverly. a small town suburbia, and I didn't, I never even sucked drugs in high school. So my experience is very different than most okay. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of cocaine and weed at my high school, um, and a lot of people partaking in both or so, but, like, the substance abuse aspect of it. Um, I, so, so some of the storylines that they had as, like, juniors and seniors, um, some of those were a little bit... Uh, interesting and then like when we talk about the kelly thing i I guess they're she's meant they're meant to be in college around this time but even what they go through as 19 year olds Mm -hmm. they seem like they're 28 right like she joins a cult in one episode Mm -hmm. is that chris hill i think okay never mind all right we'll cut that part out um she like joins a cult and there's like all kinds of just like some of the stuff that they go through it just seems like it's about 10 years ahead of what their ages should be and we'll get into a lot more of that uh, later on, but let's get back to the the Dylan the Dylan Brandon thing to make sure that I do that justice and all. You're for Dylan because he's a bad boy. What specifically about that? He just has that attitude of like 
doesn't care what anyone else thinks and you know he drives a motorcycle and he's just got the whole bad boy vibe going on and it's just it's just a vibe yeah and megan you were on with uh brandon reason being yeah well, megan why did you think he was the one he, I mean, he's such a clean-cut, good boy, too. Yeah, I kind of go for that, like, Captain America type of guy, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have opposite, obviously, drives towards men. Yeah. For different reasons. But, yeah, I would say she's looking for that more clean-cut, straight-A, Abercrombie and Fitch, and I want the boy with tattoos and, you know, motorcycle and just pushes all the limits. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is you two sort of had different uh, – Megan, you come from L.A., and then, Victoria, you coming from a smaller town and smaller high school and all. Uh, and it's essentially what the expectations that people would have uh, seems like they were inverted here, if you would agree to that. Inverted. Yeah, that's probably a true statement. I would say you always want what you can't have. That is very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like – I, look, I was teen. Like, I'm not into either of them uh, romantically, obviously. And I, like, I mean, they're good-looking guys, right? I was team. I was always on team Brandon. Um, the Luke Perry's character, Dylan. He never had a job the whole series, and he had the he substance was, abuse. He had a way about him, right? He just had this mm-hmm. confidence that was like I just thought he, he was could soft. talk, and he could like I don't know. I really dug his character. Yeah, a lot of people do, and. Like and he's, I think that he's a breakout star of the show. Um, we're gonna get into that with category, like some of our categories later. I think that he's obviously the breakout and what stands out the most. As I feel like you go, hey Luke Perry, you think nine hundred two and zero, or if you say nine hundred two and zero, you go Luke Perry. But I just found his character so unlikable. Um, even when I first watched, I thought, I mean, when I actually when I did first watch, I was like, hey Luke Perry, like because you hear the name Dylan, mm-hmm. and I go, okay. That is like a, I was like, that's just such a cool name, but they would always say it whiny and there's always like never, they're excited to see him. It's just like, hey, Dylan did this. He crashed his bike or Dylan's in rehab again. And I was like, uh. there, everybody, Chris Hill has joined us and he's already, he already knows what's going on uh, because we talk 902 and all the time, but I wanted to get his thoughts um, the te- on the team Dylan versus team Brandon, who should Kelly have chosen and why? Well, first off, it would have been nice if you said featuring Chris. Okay. I, that way, <laughs> that way, I can get you know. As my choice is, it's obviously Brandon, because yeah. nobody would think that brooding Brandon. Well, actually, wait, I take that back. Uh, my choice is Dylan. <laughs> uh, you might want to edit that. Why? Why would I edit it? Oh, it's uh, yeah. So you like? Wait, you okay. like brooding? No. Wait. Uh-huh. It, the brooding is Dylan. Brandon is soft. You got me all confused because you mentioned that Brandon was like this tough guy, which I'll admit he has a sweet right cross and he can duck a punch. But besides that, he's he's soft. He's from Minnesota. He doesn't have he's not a bad boy. He's got no dark side. He's weak. So uh so ladies, what uh and, and ladies and listeners, what Chris Hill is referencing. So um I would I put up a video one time and it is essentially I hope it's still on YouTube but essentially it shows all the fights that happen on the show which there was a fair amount for this kind of a show but essentially Brandon is 4 and 0 in fist fights on this show. Mm-hmm. Um 
he even punched Dylan in a in a season one episode, uh, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And I showed that to I had shown this to Chris Hill. Um, and essentially, uh, all of his fights went with someone swung on him. He ducks and then he punches a person. and The person falls down. And I said, "Wow!" I was like, "I like this guy. He's tough." Um, to yeah. so it's yeah. Let's it, not let's not underestimate the fact that that uh, Dylan moved out of the way and Sanders got punched in the face. I mean, I'm sure uh, that was a was a different episode, but let's yeah. not just make it seem like Dylan got his ass handed to him because that's not oh. the case. Okay, well, really quickly, do, do any of you prefer Steve Sanders, Ian Ziering's character, to Dylan or Brandon what? at all? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gonna say no on that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? All right, I you don't y'all don't find like him like a happy medium between the two? No, I just I think he was more like the goofy character. Like okay. I didn't take him seriously. There always <laughs> has to be that one character. Okay, no one like David either, huh? I liked him. I thought he was great. But, you know, he was with Donna. They had their own issues, and they were very absorbed in each other. Now, though, I look at him now, and I'm like, ooh, he's hot now. Yeah. He's like the true bad boy out of all of them. Yeah, he gets Megan Fox, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Megan, were you, uh, uh, or other, uh, non-Megan Fox Megan, but just we love her <laughs> even more. Uh, were, did you? Megan, that's fine. Too. Okay, all right. Were you a fan of David at all? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Say, yeah, he was, he was. I would say he was more the happy medium. Okay. All right. So Steve is fourth. Um, and let's Chris be Hill. honest. Sanders, Sanders was there for like a laugh, but he really like if you look at Sanders, like they actually made him act like Ian Zarin's age, like a dude in a midlife crisis. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's he's rolling around in a Corvette. Like, what young person wants a Corvette? Even in the 90s, that wasn't cool. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, I got, I, all right. So that's a good point really quickly. Um, so these actors, uh, look, it's Hollywood. It's not uncommon for individuals to play someone younger than themselves. Um, some of these folks were, they were downright elderly. Um, Gabrielle Cartera, she played Andrea. Uh, so she was 29 when the show started. She didn't look it. Right, because the glasses made her seem like she was like a 13-year-old geek, looked like Velma from Scooby-Doo. Um, she's 29. Luke Perry had to be about 37 when the show started. Um, and Ian Ziering was like, I guess he was somewhere in between Andrea and uh, and Luke. Did you, did that did the eight did their ages did the age of the actors did that like stand out to y'all at all? I do not remember that. Actually. I do. Okay. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and you you described that. So well, I definitely yes, I totally remember that. Yeah, like Luke, Luke, Luke Perry had like wrinkles on his forehead uh, while he was uh-huh. playing a high school junior, and I was like, "This is kind of glaring." You're, you're selling it short. It's only a forehead. <laughs> yeah, five head on his five head. Yeah, a five I head. Uh, yeah on his five head. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so the I want to get in really quickly. So highlight of uh, one of the things we had talked about is the sort of some of the storylines and acting on the show and how things that these characters were into things that were like 10 years past their uh, 10 years past like where they should have been right um and zeroing in i want to zero in on really uh two characters that being kelly and dylan so quick so quick highlight of some of dylan's storylines 
Uh, dad dies in a mob-induced car explosion in high school. Um, does heroin and drives his car off a bridge and has like... Excuse me one second. What's going on there? Does anyone hear that? Hello? I don't hear anything. You don't? Okay. It must be on my... All right. It was from you, Chris Hill. Okay. So that's 30 minutes, 50 seconds. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to do a 10-second countdown and, re and repeat all that, okay? Not uh, seven, eight, sorry, that's shit counting. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so some of the storylines that occurred on this show, um, essentially looking at Dylan's, looking at Dylan's arc, uh, dad dies in a mob-induced uh, car explosion. Then we also have that he, his car drives it off a bridge after a heroin incident. Uh, dad gets married in three episodes. Uh, to a woman, Antonia, then she gets shot um, the day of their wedding by her dad's hitman because he was apparently close to Dylan's dad. Then Dylan disappears. Um, then he comes back like four seasons later, um, does heroin, and uh, his, I guess that's like kind of the outlandish stuff disappears. Kelly, though, um, so her so her story so her storyline uh, joins a cult. Is involved in a car fire, gets shot one time while outside of an airport returning from Hawaii with Brandon. Uh, also, there's a un very unfortunate uh, sexual assault that occurs. Uh, then there's also a kidnapping plot with her as well. Okay, so was anyone else bothered by some of these outlandish storylines that started to come, particularly after the high school portion? They got a little crazy. I mean, they got a little out of hand, but you know, What's, you're still there. You're there to you're there to be a part of it. So you're you're already in it to win it. Yeah, like I take it like the show. Uh, or, well, anyone else have a perspective on that too? I think that they had to step up their game ever since uh, Kelly went and uh, banged out that uh, the bartender from Melrose Place. So then they had to uh, <laughs> as as it got crazier. 90210 had to step it up a little bit. Was that a uh, Jake or? Oh, it was the... Jake. Okay, it was Jake. Yeah. All right. Did, wait. Did anyone? Um. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Melrose Place was a crossover to this. Uh Spinoff, my man. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, Spinoff. Spinoff. Yes. Yeah, Spinoff. So uh, one thing that uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the Jake thing there because I didn't watch a uh, Melrose Place or anything. But it seems to me like the show went from being well written, um, well written like w during their high school portions to as Chris Hill had mentioned, they wanted to up the ante and then they went full on like morning soap opera stuff, right? Someone dies or and then they come back like a season later or something. Uh, you know, Kelly has like a coke binge and all this other stuff, right? And getting the shot and all. And they're just like, okay, well, I don't know if they just didn't know what to do with the characters, and they decided, all right, let's just go completely outlandish. But there's like a noticeable tone, and I'll even say like right around the time Brenda disappears, and we're gonna get into that like right next too. Um, but they just decide, okay, let's just throw a bunch of things, and it's like almost like, hey, a crazy event of the week uh, that you might see in like a shitty '90s movie uh, or something that they decided we'll just apply to each character. You know, thoughts well, on that? They, oh, I mean, Tiffany Amber Thiessen comes in, and immediately you know they've upped the ante. She was a bad girl. She smoked a joint in the first episode. Yeah, Kelly Ke Kelly Kapowski just getting out there, you know. Uh, really, so talk about the Brenda thing, though. So she was obviously replaced um, to get uh, to get 
uh, Tiffany Amber, Th- they got Tim- Tiffany Amber Thiessen as a replacement, right? Because I believe Shannon Doherty had gotten fired due to uh, quite a few mishaps that were on set. Were y'all, were y'all fans of Brenda or what? I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but uh, I did read the, uh, the book. I believe it was entitled "I Hate Brenda," uh, and Wait, who it was wrote that. Oh God, you should look it up. There was even a uh, she was notorious. People hated her. Uh, there was an "I Hate Brenda" book that just listed all of the reasons why they mm-hmm. hate the character Brenda, but really they were just reasons why they hated Shannon Doherty. <laughs> like one of them went and said, like her eyes aren't lined up correctly, and that wow. just that just Personal really dick. really upset them. Okay. That, uh, there also was a punk band that went and made songs about how awful Brenda was. I think wow. you can type in "Hate Brenda" on iTunes, and I think you can still find some of that wonderful music. Uh, so, were you a fan of hers? I hated Brenda. I, Why? She started off nice and naive, and mm-hmm. then she just kind of became like this—I don't know—super pretentious and thought she knew better than everyone. So like her brother, kind of like her brother, but her brother, uh, you know, her brother could back it up with the fist and a, <laughs> and a sweet, sweet duck of a punch and hung out with cool friends. Meanwhile, she hung out with Donna and Andrea. <laughs> Let's be honest, you know, that really wasn't a wasn't the epitome of a sweet crew there that they were running with. Brandon yeah. definitely had the better friends. Yeah. Okay. So, ladies, what were y'all's opinions on Brenda? I think I can speak for both of us when we say we like the Brenda element, just because she added some, you know, different spice to the show. She was just kind of like, she was a little bit of the bad girl. Yeah. I. Yeah. See, I. Um. Now, I. Uh. I prefer blondes. Um. No. Anyways, but what I was gonna say is that uh, I was always Kelly, so I, like there there being a Kelly Brenda rivalry between like the what the Dylan thing between the triangle, I didn't like think it was that profound because Kelly essentially won. Um, and Brenda's character, I thought that uh, I think Chris Hill had highlighted this. Like she came off, she like started off as sweet and everything, and then she started being rebellious. Um, I appreciate I you know I appreciated that aspect of it, and I think I never thought of her necessarily as a bad girl. It's just like a girl who's from the Midwest. She wants to Calif- come to California um, and wants to fit in with her uh, super rich friends, and she doesn't sort of know where she stands. So I think a lot of people could relate to that. And uh, she just said, "Hey, you know what? My dad is old school. He's like a cul-de-sac haircut and everything. Uh, I'm gonna try to do things my way to make it out here, you know, uh, which I appreciated." Uh, her character was whiny to me, and maybe that's why her and Dylan belong together. It's just like a lot of whininess and, you know, this happened to me, blah, 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 which I couldn't stand, uh, which is a pet peeve of mine. But overall, like, she was uh, she was like a grounded character, and I thought that uh, – she, I mean, she's probably the most realistic person, uh, written character on the show, in my opinion. Um, So, all right, we're going to get – so proceeding onwards, I, I want to get into sort of – uh, how do you, like this show? Like I, I mentioned at the top of this, that this show fit like directly into the ninety. Like it ran the whole nineties, uh, ran the the whole nineteen nineties and all. And I want to see like what your thoughts are, what y'all's thoughts are on how this defined the nineties or how the nineties defined it, and what your what are your perspectives on that? 
Well, I can. How did it define the nineties? Oh. Yeah, that's a, oh, well, that's not, Victoria. Oh, okay. All oh, right. it's okay. No, Victoria, go uh, ahead. I think that it, you know, made us open to talking about things that have not been talked about. Honestly, I think that it really opened people's minds to being more open for sure. Cause it was stuff that was just not discussed in the show. You know, it pushed a lot of limits and I, I have to say, I appreciate that cause it opened a lot of conversations for people. Yeah. I think like uh, this show helped, like obviously it helped get some of the shows that we'd see towards the latter end of it, like particularly Dawson's Creek. Mm -hmm. And it softened the, it softened the blow where you can go, okay, we can have over the top storylines can happen to high school people. And it's, you know, there's not going to be like, what do you call it? TV guide's not going to publish some, what the hell is going on, right? And the FCC is not going to freak out when, uh, you know, some random character, like some random character killed, is killed off or has like suicide. And, uh, and, and like, and you, if you think about the nineties, uh, like that's what, that's, that's like the peak of Gen X and everything. Right. And this show is just so Gen X, right. It's anti-authoritarian and like, and you really got to look at the shows that we had in the eighties where, there are no teen dramas before this, and every show that any show that you had was like every drama show was a fucking cop show, which was annoying. And then all of the sitcoms that you had were like growing pains and like family ties, and like all the family members pretended to like each other and all. And then this one, like, not that the family that like the Walshes weren't dysfunctional, but you look at the McKays, they're terrible, and you look at Steve's family, they're just trash. And then you look at David's family's dad's like a fucking pre uh harvey weinstein type dentist or whatever and that like i uh, you know i think that this just made it say okay well look not everybody comes from the best situations and even individuals who come from wealth um they don't have it all together they have cracks and fissures as well chris oh you're gonna say something go ahead well i was just gonna say wow that was that was really profound you really uh that sarcasm no, no, not <laughs> okay. at all. I mean, look, 90210, it was great. It captured a moment in time, and uh-huh. they weren't afraid to go to subjects that were traditionally reserved for, you know, more adult-type shows. I mean, mm-hmm. when like, they had that one episode, what was it about being a really bad friend when David Silver's uh, friend shot himself? That yeah. one I learned a I I learned a good lesson there, uh, you know they covered when Ray Pruitt threw Donna Martin down the stairs, uh, you know they covered domestic violence, uh, they weren't afraid to right. to bring David Arquette to the masses. They covered a lot of things. Yeah. Now, what did y'all like make of some of the cast changes that began to occur? Um, obviously. You get Brenda leaving, and then you know Dylan leaves because he want uh, Luke Perry wants to try to go to do Hollywood, and then he learns that it's not that easy. Um, and then they bring in uh, a bunch of random characters. This guy Noah Hunter, who's like a fake Dylan. His dad is like rich, and then he commits suicide and he leaves him money, so he's essentially Dylan. Um, then they bring in uh, what do you call it? Val leaves at one point, and they bring in this girl Gina Kincaid, who comes from like a troubled home, and she has some childhood connection to. Donna, which is similar to what Val is supposed to have had with the Walshes. Um, Steve, they just keep him on because no one wanted to hire him in his haircut or anything. Um, and then there's, what do you call it? There's some, they get this character named Claire. You know, I hate that name. Um, they get this character named Claire who's like the university president's daughter. Was there, all right, instead of sort of 
what you make of the cast changes. Was there any character that's not from the original, right? Uh, that those original first four seasons that you're like, hey, I actually like them coming onto the show. Like, so you can't include yeah. Tiffany Amber Thiessen. No well, Tiffany Amber. Th- anyone well, else? Rebecca Gayhart's character was. I think she has a. She has a moment for sure that she. People remember her for Nana Two and for sure. Yeah, I think she played uh, as Dylan's wife, Antonia, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't she get killed? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Very, very dramatic, too. Very dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I gotta, all right, really quickly, I gotta talk about the scene, like, because this is that that's pivotal because Dylan leaves, which I didn't like. Um, he leaves around that time, so she gets shot, like point blank range, right? It's like stormy night. A guy pulls in front of her car, fires directly at her in the driver's seat. Shoots her in the head, presumably. When Dylan pulls her out of the car, she has, like, one streak of blood on her chin, even though she got shot in the head. And I was like, she couldn't survive that? Like, it didn't look as bad. Like, And he's, like, wailing, obviously, because his new wife dies and all. Interesting scene. Like, And I they think they could have, I don't know, if they were having budget concerns or they couldn't get makeup or something like that. At least make it look like you can't see your head or something like that. Very interesting scene. I don't think their budget was on practical effects in 92. <laughs> I'm just like, like, she gets shot, right? And it's like, he shoots her five times, and she has like one streak of blood, like as if you cut your chin, like fucking on the playground or whatever. Okay, so you're 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 liking Antonia, Rebecca Gayhart, uh, Chris Hill. What about yourself? Well, I mean, it. You told me I couldn't talk about about. Uh, Val? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Well, yeah, yeah. well, because she was still like, she was like, still like first year of college. Like, yeah, she's like one of the originals, though. I feel yeah. like she was always part of the cast. Yeah, she lived in the house, right, mm-hmm. with Brandon and with the parents. So she's, yeah. yeah, she can't, yeah, she's early on. I'm talking like, what, what season did she start? Uh, I think season four. Four? Yeah. Or, yeah. Four. <laughs> she replaced Brenda. That's. <laughs> that, <laughs> So you can't go and say Brenda's like, you know, Tiffany's the OG if Brenda Okay, was. all right. Okay, fine. All right. So, okay, you want to amend it so that Val – all right. I just feel like because she was there when everyone else – like, Gabrielle Carteris was still on the show when Tiffany Amber Thiessen was here, right? And the parents were still on the show. I'm talking like, hey, they graduate fucking college. Dylan's gone, right? And then they just bring in all these replacements, you know? Like you didn't have, obviously you don't have a favorite if you're arguing so heavily for it to be Val. Well, of course I don't. What am I going to talk about? No, uh, Donna and Kelly's store and the workers there. <laughs> uh, all right, hold up, Victoria. I have a, I have a question for you as a business owner, as a very illustrious business owner. Um, was there any of these characters? Because like a lot of them would go and like didn't necessarily go work for anybody. They would start their own stuff. Was there any one of them that stood out as a? decent business owner that you say hey i'd hire this person at all oh gosh that they would either be a business owner or hireable i don't know chris that's a hard question <laughs> like uh donna and kelly have a store and they fucking leave to go for the longest lunches all the time never hire anybody uh <laughs> Really shitty business owners. <laughs> Steve, and, Steve, fucking David, and Brandon start a newspaper, and it's all—it's like a tabloid, and like they never have any advertisers or anything. And Kelly starts a PR job, but she never goes to it, and like spends her time going to who's like that empty suit that's like a knockoff Brandon. Uh, Matt, the lawyer, goes to spend most of the time visiting him instead of like starting the business at her PR business. Yeah. 
I'm going to answer it for you, V. Yeah, answer uh, it. Tell me. I mean, you already know the answer, I think. I think we all do. <laughs> they are terrible. Like, the, I... Yeah, no, there's no one hireable there. I'm sorry. It's just bad. Like, I... Even Nat was a shitty business owner. He couldn't even fuck own yeah. the peach pit himself. <laughs> Victoria, can we get you to buy the peach pit and teach Nat, Nat how to make you know a profit? How fun that would be to own the peach pit. Oh my gosh! I gotta imagine those first six years are hard because he gave away such free stuff all the time, and like he was fully stocked and staffed. Mm-hmm. Yet he had these people that came in for ten years that never paid for anything. <laughs> Yeah, they're not even his good. They're not even friends. Like if they go, oh, it's okay, Nat. We'll take advantage of you. We live in Beverly Hills, but we're coming to your diner and eat for free for ten years. Just bad. (laughs) I want to get into. I want to get into some of the categories that we have here. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, first team all pro casting. This is essentially who stands out as did the best work uh, from the main cast acting wise. Um, I'll let I'll let anybody start actually. Best work acting. Um, I do. Yes. I liked Kelly's character a lot. Oh. She went through a lot emotionally yeah. and traumatic situations and a lot of, you know, relationships and kind of hard topics. I don't know. I thought she did a great job with it all. I I'll, I'll agree on that. She brought a lot of gravitas. Like, um, uh-huh. I, I, and I I don't and I what I'm gonna talk about. I don't want to necessarily talk about not because it's anything anyone should be embarrassed about but they have the sexual assault which is like at the mm-hmm. end of season nine to season 10 um and i remember this is when my family had gotten cable um and so i could and my mom didn't care if i watched it or not right so i'm watching it a lot uh watching it as it happens or as it airs rather and i remember just thinking like wow like uh you know you don't ne- I, you know you don't necessarily know i don't didn't, at the time i didn't necessarily know sort of what was the expectation of an actress but i thought that she sold it well and that's in, especially in comparison to a lot of other shit you see on the show where people de- deliver things poorly right she's able to do the mimic the crying and sort of show vulnerability and so i i agree with you there on, Je- on jenny garth and kelly's mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. uh what about you mr hill uh Who's, who's acting I was most in, impressed yeah. with. Uh, best, yeah, best ca- uh, essentially it's like, hey, who was first team? Who, who's this the best l- fucking actor? Listen, I have to go with Brian Austin Green. Really? Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Wow. Because whenever there was a serious issue, they would give it to him. I mean, and let's be honest. The guy had to pretend to love Tori Spelling <laughs> throughout the entire run of the show. There is no way you can make that believable unless you're a good actor. Good lord! What you don't you don't think people can like Tori Spelling? She's insufferable and she looks like a llama. No, I don't think so. Uh, Victoria, comment on the former, not the her looking like a llama part. Well, I mean, the girl's doing something right. We're sitting here talking about her, and she fucking has a lot of people watching her on social media. I watched a live of her the other day, and she's still like doing her thing. So she's oh, doing something right. Oh, you're she, a fan. She is well, doing something know. right. She, she's doing something right. She, her dad was was Aaron Spelling, the creator. Yeah, I you, mean, whatever. They made a character for her. You know. Do you do you think that she? Did you think that she? Do we think that she did a solid enough job to have warranted? The, We'll say that nepotism. There was some cheesy acting on her part. I will say there were some like non-believable parts for sure. But I mean, they created the role for her, you know. Yeah. So, I uh, one thing I would stand that stands out about her acting is they seem to make her like act like a twelve-year-old for a lot of the series, like wearing 
like she's like 25 women like and, and i know understand that her character was being like a long-term virgin and everything but mm-hmm. she would go from pr- scantily clad uh outfits and then like she talked to characters and like she talked like she talked like if like a seven-year-old had a boyfriend like some of my girlfriends i had when i was like 10 or whatever um she would speak like them and like make weird little kid noises and when she'd get in arguments she like her voice would crack like a child like had her toy taken away and i was like i don't I don't know if that's how it's supposed to be or if it's bad acting or so, but it really stood out. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know the David as the fucking best actor. I just can't. I, 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 what the fuck? Come on, he sold that relationship. <laughs> sold the hell out of it. All right. Uh, all right. So and one of the let's kids. be honest. Silver was a dork in the beginning, but as it went on, Brian Austin Green came into his own, and he still stuck with Donna Martin. So, I mean, you have that, and you still bought it. You still yeah. bought the whole thing. He was a tear. I yeah. Like all right, I'm like letting all. Of, all right, I, all right. We'll speak on Brian Austin Green. I'm like letting my opinion on some of the characters like dictate this. Um. Okay. So I we did this. Hey, was that? That's essentially future guest stars and cameos and random stuff like that. Um, so I put in season one, there's a really interesting episode, Matt per- Matthew Perry from Friends, Chandler on Friends. He plays a, okay, he plays like a tennis prodigy who's like Arminian, uh, really interesting. And apparently he like writes novels about how he's going to kill his kid or kill his dad because he hates him. And Brandon somehow goes full on fucking meddling kids from Scooby-Doo and he's like snooping around the guy's fucking house trying to figure out if he's actually going to kill his dad or if this is just a paper that he's writing. Um, and so Matthew Perry, it was, it was like a really extended cameo cause he was like the, it was during when they were doing like the, Hey, here's this random ass person that we're introducing for this episode. You'll never hear from him again. So he's in it the whole fucking episode, which I love. And then also Jessica Alba, uh, had a late episode where she was like a pregnant teen and had to act alongside Donna. Um, really, uh, I mean, kind of forgettable things because, like, they obviously didn't bring them back or so, but I, like, listed those as cameos. Do y'all remember anything that stands out around someone like, hey, that guy uh, became big, and I remember seeing him on 90210? No. Okay. When, I, it when you said that, I'm like, I don't even remember these, <laughs> these Chris Hill? <laughs> I mentioned it earlier, David Arquette. He got, oh, yeah. Oh. He got into a fight. Yeah. He, uh. he learned the power of Brandon. And by the way, I think you're underselling the relationship between Brandon and Dylan because in the later episodes, they wouldn't even call each other by their first name. It was just initials. It was B and D. B and D. <laughs> what? What? So what? All right. So they're more than best friends, or what? No, nah, I'm just saying. Like you know, you re- that that was a key component, you know, yeah. of of the show. Plus, I think you're you, you didn't really like. What about their sideburns? That was a cultural. Well, moment. no, we talked about that. You can't. I mean, you were like, oh, did you doing talk whatever. about? Yeah. Did you yeah. talk about being the first show to uh, to air new seasons for the summer? We didn't. Um, okay, you could tell us about that, Mister Hill. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I know the first season tell us. wasn't. Well, hey, I'm I'm redundant. <laughs> uh, the the first season, the ratings were not as you know the ratings weren't as great as they wanted them to be. They knew this was a diamond in the rough, and so they were the first season or they were the first show that said, hey, nobody puts anything new on in summer, so we're going to take 90210, and we're going to give you new 90210 in the summer, and it became a huge thing, and it drove popularity like you wouldn't believe. 
And it was that kind of outside-the-box thinking that really got 90210 uh, cemented in the legacy of 90s greatness. Hmm. Is that when they were doing the summer episodes at the Damn Beverly right Hills Beach Club? Okay. Um, the same beach club that uh, they used in uh, Saved, Saved by, by the, the Bell? Bell? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Victoria, I got a question really quickly. Um, did you ever want to go to the Beverly Hills Beach Club while you were watching this? You know, it was more the peach pit for me. I just okay, just to go there yeah. and sit at the bar and like, yeah, it was more the peach pit for sure. Uh, she's like, yeah, I know you can get free stuff. <laughs> what about peach pit after dark? When oh. it, yeah, did you ever want to go clubbing? <laughs> when it became the nightclub, you know, diner by day, club, club. at night. I, you know what's crazy? I, I have to imagine that. This was one of the first, uh, this must have been where a lot of these places get an idea where you, you never meet someone, they go, oh, hey, I'm going to this place. You're like, the place where I fucking have dinner or whatever, or where I have lunch. They go, oh, no, we have like a club at night or whatever. I want to say Peach Pit After Dark started that trend, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Well, I want a club to be a club. Know, like, if you look at who played the Peach Pit After Dark, it's kind of, I don't know if it's sad for the acts that played or really impressive for the booker of the Peach Pit, that they were able to get acts like Christina Aguilera and Luther Vandross, uh, <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies, the great 90s sensation Monica, uh, Power Man 5000. All of these people played the Peach Pit after dark. They really weren't into any particular style of music. But, uh, <laughs> they really brought their, uh, their A game when it came to booking. Uh, v, what would you think if someone, t if a guy tried to take you on a date to the Peach Pit After Dark with Power Man Five Thousand or Bare Naked Ladies? I don't know if that's my jam, honestly. I mean, maybe uh, back if it was in Christina the day. Aguilera. Yeah, maybe in the, my twenties, like I'd be into it for sure. Right. But like now, what? I'd be like, I don't know, maybe not. But yeah, yeah in my twenties for McKnight. sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all my jam for sure. But like, I don't know nowadays. Yeah. I the first date might be kind of weird. Yeah, just like hey, hit the fucking uh, the, <laughs> the fucking bare naked ladies are playing at the Peach Pit after dark. I went there for breakfast and it was free. Uh, do you want to come to the Peach Pit after? Dark? I mean, I'd probably go just for shits and giggles. I think Steve Sanders managed that, so we got a chance to meet him. All right, not all right, not liking that. All right, <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, okay, so I, I, next category, I went with, uh, st uh, what do you call it? Stone Cold Appearance. Essentially, what guest star came in, dominated the episode, uh, and just kind of completely went off. So, please, uh, I, guys, this is one of my favorite episodes, and I rewatch it a lot. There's a guy named Wingshauser, actor. He plays a guy named Jonesy, and he helps Dylan get his money back after it was stolen by this Geraldo Rivera-looking guy named Kevin or some, some shit like that, right? Um, but he came to, comes in for a two-episode arc. They go to, like, the fucking Cayman Islands. He brings Valerie with him and Dylan. And then Dylan gets in a sword fight with this guy, Geraldo Rivera-looking dude. And this guy, Jonesy, is just, like, a fucking complete character. He's, like, the worst private investigator ever. He, like, has prostitutes and stuff like that. He's like, oh. wakes up one day sniffing, like, a fucking stiletto or whatever when he's supposed to be meeting Dylan at the airport. And then he's, like, has some 90s-style tracking to help him find out where Kevin is and comes up with a plan to help him get the money back. But he somehow allows the 20-year-old guy who just got out of rehab to fight the master, the mastermind who took his $10 million, which made no sense since he was supposed to be connected to the FBI. So I actually love that. Did you just really go through that entire story and then end it with, I love that? 
Yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's just a fucking great. Like, <laughs> Dylan got its money back, right? Thanks to Wings Hauser. Yeah, and he's just like, and then he returns and he uses Valerie again for some sting operation or whatever. And I was like, this guy's a fucking great guest star. Like he plays Jonesy, never learned his first name or what the fuck he actually does, and it's just like the most seediest guy ever. He's like a chubby version of fucking uh, Bradley Cooper in The Hangover, right? It's just like this guy's like a fucking piece of shit, and he's just. Hey, Dylan, I can get your money back, but, you know, hey, also, I need Valerie for this fucking sting operation. And then she gets in trouble and, like, gets arrested, I think. Okay, you didn't, like, no, no one I'm just, that, I'm like, I just don't recall any of this. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm Sorry, wondering. Chris, I was like, I do not, how do you know these details? Have you rewatched the entire, entire thing? Uh, I've seen this episode, this episode, like nine times, I think like mm-hmm. whenever it's on, I just like, look, v, if you like Dylan, you'll like it. He used to like hold a sword and he, I, okay. Also really quickly about this. Some of these guys, these guys didn't like working out. Wasn't popular in the nineties. I'm, uh, convinced of cause like they have Dylan holding a sword and it looks like his arm's going to fall off trying to hold it. Like mm-hmm. it's struggle, like struggle bus. And then like, they have like, they have to get a, uh, stand in, so he like so Luke doesn't actually cut himself. They get a stand in. The stand in is just as like skinny and unimposing, right? And he looks like he's gonna drop the sword too. And anyways, yeah, okay, we'll we'll see that part of it. Hill, anybody that you really love that just came in and just fucking owned, uh, and then was never well, heard from again. Well, I, I you blew my mind with Wings Hauser, and uh, <laughs> did you know Wings Hauser outside of the show? Yeah, I actually did. He's he, he dude's been from in what. He's been in a ton of stuff. If you look up his IMDb, the dude's been acting since like if you find a, a bad like 80s movie and he was probably in it. Then he went down to TV because that was back when TV was a step down. Uh, but does this have uh, Carl and Kitty Cavendish? Uh, Who the hell are they? They're in the episode. Uh, They are? It's the people that... Uh, it's the people that have the money. It's their aliases. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I was like, what the hell? Uh, also, V, Chris Hill's the only person that's looked at Wings Hauser's IMDb. And I please, see that. I don't please tell me you're not. That is. No, yeah. I have no idea. Okay, good. Please tell me you're not like maybe, looking it up right now. Maybe you know either. him by no. his original name, Dwight Gerald Hauser. No. That's Still terrible. Not. Yeah, that's just all. That sounds like two presidents' names mixed together. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Hill, uh, do you have guest, like, short-term guest stars that are as popular as Wing Hauser? That you that aren't that? David Arquette? Okay. All right. So, David Arquette, you, think, you thought he owned and killed it in this episode? No, but, you know, Brandon, That I mean, that was one of the, the best scenes I've ever seen. I mean, Brandon really, really gave it to him and, and showed the patented right cross, duck under. Which is oh, a move what? I've been wanting to to learn for a very long period of time, so it's just hard for me to get past that. Okay, uh, Vic- Victoria, please watch this episode. It is okay. I don't remember where it's from, but it's essentially Brandon's. Like it's back when Brandon they didn't know who to put him with, and they're like he's too cool for Andrea. So let's have him every episode. There's gonna be a girl that's in an episode, and then he'll break up with them, but seemingly by the next episode, and you won't hear from him again. Maybe some of them should win this, but. Um, he essentially gets this girl, I forgot her name, but she's there for like quite a while. And then she has like an ex-boyfriend who's in a band. I think you might like him. He's like a rebel, leather jacket and everything mm, like that. My favorite. But it, yeah, it's David Arquette though. Um, <laughs> and 
he like apparently he's abusive and then brandon go finds him at this house that's like in the middle of fucking nowhere it looks like the bates motel and then it's a uh, brandon gets in a fight with them and it's like really one-sided and like brandon punches a guy and like hurts his ribs or something it's just a bad episode but apparently david arquette was memorable Chris, uh, um, let's it, go to best episode. Highest... That one's gonna. <laughs> it's a what? <laughs> it's just it, it's really solidified that you know Brandon. Brandon had a dark side, not just Dylan. Even if he wasn't as as much of a bad boy as Dylan. He All could, right. He could throw <laughs> down. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go to best. Do you guys have a? Uh, we'll say best episode slash favorite episode. Uh, throw them out. I'm going to say the one where Kelly has to choose between Brandon and Dylan. Like oh I still, that still sticks in my mind to this day. Okay. So would you, have ch- all right. I know you like Dylan, but like, let's, let's examine their I offers. Actually really, I actually really liked her choice and decision that like I'm saying, like that's not a teenager decision. You know, it's not somebody like the decision was made like by someone yeah. older, obviously, but I still remember that scene to this day. Okay, so you would have chose yourself. You wouldn't have gone around the world with Dylan. I I think it's a great. I think it's a great thing that she did. She was, you know, she didn't hurt anyone's feelings. She chose herself as number one, which I think is amazing. You know the craziest thing about that though, Um, she was technically in a relationship with Brandon at the time, and then like when they come back from that, uh, she asks him why he's like being mean, uh, why he's like being not addressing her or like talking to her or whatever. And then he goes, well, you chose you, right? What do you think about that, V? Is that, was he right to think, like, I, I, can't remember the I propose? Details, well, he proposes to her, right? He proposes to her, but Dylan, and that's only because Dylan, he saw that Dylan invited her to, like, fly around yeah, the world. She's conflicted, right? You can love two people at the same time. Well, yeah, so certainly. So I think she was conflicted and was like, it's just not, now is not the time to make this decision. I so totally did Brandon, did Brandon have any right to be upset or to not talk to her for a while after that. I think everyone's going to have their feelings hurt. That's a situation that you can't walk away without somebody having hurt feelings, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I like that episode too. Cause like, number one, you see, uh, he, the way he proposes to her is kind of meh, right? Like she's like rollers or, uh, I think he's just, she's like roller skating or something like that. And then he like brings her some new roller skates and then there's, and he like hands her the roller skate and he goes, Oh, there's like, what is that? It's a spider. And she like freaks out and then it's like a wedding ring or whatever. And it, apparently it's like really cheap or something. And then she like doesn't say anything. Right. And, and I like that. I, I like the episode cause it's just like a fucking Brandon and Dylan trying to outdo each other. And I think they even have some scenes together talking to it, talking to each other about, uh, why he's inviting her around the world and stuff like that. So, um, that is, uh, I'm, that's up there for me. Chris, what do you got? Uh, when, when Brandon leaves, uh, when, what? when he says goodbye to, or I mean, when Dylan leaves, I could get, oh. when Dylan, when Dylan leaves and says goodbye to Brandon, uh, did you cry? Cause you're a crier. I didn't cr- No, I, I am a crier. Uh, that's why I can't watch uh, fast and furious movies. Uh, but, uh, Dylan, you know, he gets on, uh, before he gets on the motorcycle that somehow has a cat carrier on it. Uh, <laughs> You know, which which is kind of like a, a subliminal letting you know Dylan's got a, a softer side to him. And then Brandon shows up and then they they say goodbye and uh, in their own way, which is isn't really saying goodbye because they know they'll come across each other again. And uh, then they part their ways. 
it was it was very poignant. It was very uh, very moving. For uh, you, you totally cried. Well, I okay. Think. Um, I want to unpack that episode really quickly too. So that being your favorite episode, um, it, obviously Dylan leaves, but that's also the one where Antonio gets shot and Dylan also gets married. And it's also the same episode that he announces he's getting married. So it starts out with the episode, "Hey guys, I'm getting married." To the wedding happening, to her dying, to to him leaving. Well, th- you know, Dylan. Uh, there were only uh, so many, uh, you know, episodes left in the contract, so they just had to condense it a little bit. Uh, it was a rushed arc, but I mean, I think we all all remember Rebecca Gayhart dying. We all remember uh, Dylan riding off in the motorcycle. It just, you know, it packed a punch. Okay. Was uh all right? I need both y'all's opinion on this. Was Rebecca Day, uh, sorry, Rebecca Gayhart, the best looking girl that Dylan was with? Oh, by far, hands oh, down. Okay. She's the Neutrogena girl. I mean, that's come true. On. Well, I think she's known for something <laughs> else now, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it involves a car accident as well. Yeah, not a shooting this time. Okay, yeah. Uh, Hill is she the best looking girl that he was with? Yeah, yeah, she okay. was. I mean, back then, I mean, she was. Uh, over she, Val, huh? Well, I mean, you know, we're just, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, let's let, <laughs> let's be honest. It, it was she was the it girl at for that point in time. Like, yeah. you know, nobody even really knew what her name was. They just knew it was the Neutrogena girl, mm-hmm. and she was now going to be marrying uh, Dylan. And oh, now she's dead. It was it was devastating. Yeah. All right. Is there a character y'all would have traded to have died instead of her? Oh, uh, no, Victoria. She 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 totally has one. All right, she's trying to be coy over know, here. That's just such a funny question. It's like Steve. What? Steve. Yeah, Steve could have went anytime. He could have gone anytime. Yeah, he's got no fucking publicity on our show yeah. except shit talk. He does go live on Instagram a lot these days, though. I've been oh, seeing Lord. his name like pop up, and I'm like, really? Why are you chills trying to hold you, on? To this? Wait, you follow him? I mean, I follow a lot of people. Come on, Chris. No judgment. We're in- well, no, no, I'm not judging. It's just <laughs> like it's just like because of like the way that you described. It. Just, I mean, you really <laughs> got to search that out. It's not like Ian Ziri just pops up on it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a, a lot of ads. Should get on Instagram every now and then because he does just pop up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So, all right. So he's we big into to working on his car now. Like he was. Oh, look, he's right now. Right. No, it's I not a Ferrari. Seen... It's like an old school kind Corvette? of Corvette. Okay. Probably a Corvette, but uh, not nah, something that he could actually do some work on. Okay. Is there anyone you would have traded to die instead of Antonia, uh, Rebecca Gayhart dying? Uh, let me see. Um, Donna. <laughs> uh, you just hate Donna. Brenda. Yeah, it's like a... Wow. Uh, what? Uh, Andre. No, Andre. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So I would have, I would have killed Andrea off in the first season just to yeah, to make an interesting storyline. Damn! What the hell is this? Like, all right, I okay. Um, she acted like more of a mom than Brandon's own mom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she well, she was fucking thirty five. Like, all right. Um, okay. So really quick, really quickly here. Um, okay. So we're gonna go to bet. All right. So worst episode. Um, so the one that I have is there's this episode where Dylan and Steve aren't getting along. And I, to my knowledge, it's like the first fucking time they've ever interacted. Also, um, it's like season three 
And Steve promises people on a senior tour that he, they can meet Burt Reynolds, and he takes them around. Some lady is like, I don't know what the – maybe she's like a pyramid scheme lady or something like that. Uh, and also, this is great, Victoria. He looks the best out of all the former cast members, too. He has like, aged well, I will say that. Yeah, he's he like the second oldest, well. but he – Looks, yeah, I he looks just the best. sent Chris his Instagram profile that I am indeed following. Okay. Um, all right. So, okay. We're going to go to the last two topics here uh, really quickly. Uh, we're going to skip that worst season because I was going to describe it and then I would have gotten a headache and everything. Um, so, last thing. Uh, music. It, mm. music. It's a music. All right. What do you rate it? Is it timeless? Oh, Has it ta- time pass it's it by? It's, it's beyond epic because you hear it and you recognize it. You know exactly what's happening. Okay, Chris Hill. I mean, are are we talking opening theme where it goes? Yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did it better. Yeah, okay. that one. Well, you know that uh, it, it's amazing. You you got to do the hand clap. You just yep. you know it's time. Everyone uh, knows what it is. Yeah, it's great. Okay. All right. Um. Then last sort of last topic I want to go with. Um. So should this be made into a movie? And if so, who should be in it? See, that's a hard call because if you don't have original cast members, I think it's a hard pull. Oh, I think Zach Efron can play Brandon. Okay, okay. Zach Efron, Brandon. Dave okay. Dave Levy can play David. Okay. Oh, you think? Yeah, t- totally. I do love really? Shit's Creek, but I don't okay. see Dan Levy being anybody on Beverly Hills. Okay. I went with the kid from the Maze Runner playing Dylan because I think the character's name is actually Dylan. Plus, he's dark, you know, he's handsome, and everything. And Jennifer Lawrence as Kelly. Okay. And then Al Pacino as Nat. Uh, <laughs> what else is going on at the Peach Pit? Uh, also, <laughs> Helen Mirren can play Andrea. Oh, my God. You're silly. Yeah, or like, okay, they can, get, uh, they can also get Betty White. Yeah, Judy Ditch can play Andrea. Oh, my God, Chris. What? It's, I mean, That's look. Horrible. It's, I mean, all right. Uh, so, okay, so should there... They're, all right, so you're okay with a movie if it's original cast members? I think some of them have to make appearances. Like, I think... You can't have Dylan, be, though. Yeah, obviously, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be cool if some of the original were in there. Maybe it was based on their kids or something like that. I think that would kind of go. Okay. Chris Hill? I don't, th- I don't think so. I mean, they uh, they did the, the new season, like the new yeah. reboot, which was kind of like the try. whole... Yeah. What are the actors blurring the lines with their characters and all of this? I just don't think at this point it's something that anybody wants to see. Plus, I mean, I had a I had a decade of my life invested into these people. You can sum that up in an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah I think I'm on. That's yeah, that's a good point. We're all right. Well, feeling at the end. That's for sure. Who knows? Well, um, that's going to conclude the 90210 episode. Um, are there any parting shots that y'all have uh, about the show? Chris, you're very well versed in 90210, I have to say. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It is. This was my uh, livelihood for two decades, I think. Mm-hmm. Just like SoapNet reruns. It's, uh... Chris Hill, any parting shots? Well, I don't think uh, livelihood is, is what you think it means. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. This was I, my I life. I don't know how you were making money off of <laughs> Old reruns in 90210, but hey, more power to you if you were able to get a syndicated deal. Yeah, uh, okay. Just like talking about fucking shit episodes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? You, you uh, any, I say, are there any parting shots uh, as we end this? 
The only parting shot I would have is a right cross followed by a duck underneath a punch. All right, Brandon, Brandon Walsh Tybo. I love it. Um, so everybody, I want to thank uh, I want to thank all of our listeners. Also, special shout out to Victoria Popoff for joining us. And, nice. And Megan White, uh, she she had, she had gone quiet and everything, right? Yeah, she, she wanted to hear. To bed. <laughs> okay, she went to bed. There we go. All right. Okay. And also Chris Hill, who what, Chris Hill's actually been on a few Benders episodes, but we've had to re-record them, and then he hasn't been available for the re-record. So this is officially his debut. So thank you, Chris Hill. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for the Benders assembled. We'll see you next week.